Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 284 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, your friend and mine, the inimitable Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am adequately splendid. Adequately splendid. Well, that's, uh, you know, I'll take that, given where we are in the red season. And, and that's who we're here to talk about, the old Cincinnati Reds. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the same old thing. They're kind of just treading water, doing well, doing bad. You know, it's just a 500 team, essentially. I mean, that's what they are. And yeah. you know, flirted with uh, maybe playoffs. There's still uh, like a 1.1% chance when you look at the playoff odds at fan graphs. But it's just, you know, it's kind of what it is. But still, uh, it's exponentially better than what we've seen the last four or five years. They- they can't, it's it's no longer interesting, really, in terms of this season, but they kept it interesting for a really long time, uh, and I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. They played games in August that were, uh, at least at the time, meaningful games that we cared a lot about, and it's been a long time since that, so, so I'll take it. Um, we are going to be kind of transitioning into a little bit of 2020 talk uh, today. Later in the episode, I, I spoke with uh, Matt Wilkes from Red Leg Nation. And uh, he's going to. We talked a little bit about uh, the future and some things, but uh, first I, I just I was desperate to talk to Jason again, so so I dialed him up. What do you, what do you think about that, Jason? I was desperate I think, to talk. I mean, to you. he should be desperate to talk to me. Everybody should be desperate to talk to me. I'm desperate to talk to you every day, but I rarely get the chance, so I, I cherish these moments. You, as you should. You should absolutely. I mean, everyone should cherish every moment they get with me. Oh, you get to listen to Jason in your ears if you're listening uh, yes. right now. Okay, so um, the Reds, they are, again, they are what they are. But the the guy that I wanted to start off with talking about today is Josh Van Meter. And I am Josh just... Josh Van Meter. Oh, my goodness. Not Josh Van Footer, Josh Van Meter. Exactly. It's uh, it's the metric system. They wouldn't know what a quarter pounder is. Um, Josh Van Meter is doing That's really well. Royale with cheese. Oh, Royale with cheese. Um, and I'm not talking about a cup of beer. I'm talking a glass of beer. Wait a minute. This has turned into Pulp Fiction Fest all of a sudden. I'm gonna, we're going to start over. <laughs> Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me is Josh Van Meter fanboy Jason Linden. Are you really a fanboy of Josh Van Meter? Uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> I kind of am, too. It's really kind of strange. He was a guy that, I mean, you know, we never spoke his name on this podcast until this season. He was not a, a highly regarded no. prospect. Yeah. He he had a good second half of last year, but, you know, who'd ever heard of him? And uh, not on any prospect lists, and he has done nothing but pound the ball now for a year and a half, essentially. A little over a year, at least, anyway. Certainly more than a calendar year, when you include yeah. the minor leagues. And, you know, I keep saying, and we've said it on this podcast before, ah, wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. Not much of a track record, but, man, every. I don't know. Every time you see him, he's got a great approach to the plate. His numbers look amazing in his rookie year, frankly. 296 average, 383 on base, 459 slugging, OPS plus 116. I'm just, I'm falling in love, desperately in love with Josh Van Meter. And I never thought I'd say those words. I, I, I never thought you'd say those words either, Chadwick. But I uh, have. I'm, you know... Yeah, if baseball is going to be at all a meritocracy, he has to be the second baseman, doesn't he? 
He should. He's not playing up much second base right now. I mean, there there's no results-based case to be made for uh, for Freddie Galvis. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, the other guy here. Right, we're, let's, let's focus on second base right now. Okay. <laughs> he has played um, 13 games at second base, Van Meter has. I thought you yeah. were about to drift over to shortstop. No. He's played 25 games in left field, Van Meter. Yeah. You know, 18, eight at first now, six at third, two at DH, one in right field. So uh, he's played all over the place, but uh, he says that second base is his best position, if you can if you can believe him. Why is he not playing, you know, five games a week at second base right now? Uh, I'm I don't know. There's not a, there's, I mean, right now, like, it's fine. He can play first while Joey's on the DL, like, right. IL, whatever. Like, that's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with something like that. But in general, yeah, he absolutely should be. And I'll tell you what's remarkable. And I mean, you know, caveat with noise about defensive metrics at this, you know, with that kind of sample size, but he rates as a positive defensive player, even though most of the places he's playing get a negative positional adjustment. Yeah. Well, uh, the exception would be at second, and if second is his best position and he's above average there, then he would. You add that to his bat, and he would really be a very valuable player. And and the fact of the matter is, if you watch him at all, he's athletic. It's not you know he's playing a lot of first yeah. base right now, but he's not a traditional first baseman or a, or a corner outfielder. I mean, he's really athletic. He's quick. I, I see very little to dislike about this guy. How does a guy like that just change his uh, swing? and uh, elevate and celebrate and uh, become a player like this overnight. You just, it's not something you see very often. No, but I mean, it does happen. You know, I can think of, you know, that everybody's favorite guy to get cranky at the Reds about Edwin Encarnacion, um, Jose Bautista. uh, I can think of Josh Donaldson. Uh, There are, there are a number of guys. It happens. Guys figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But go ahead. Yeah, well, he changed. I mean, and he made a change. You know, it's not like this is just magical. He had made a very identifiable, like some very identifiable alterations, and and now he's a heck of a hitter. And I mean, play the kid every day. Yeah. Why well, I'm more excited about him than Aquino, for instance, and I'm I'm fully on board with uh, all the love for Aristides Aquino. Aquino, easy for me to yeah. say. Um, I still think Aristides Aristides Aquino is going to be uh, a legendary name for me to pronounce if he sticks around. It may replace yeah. our buddy uh, Luis Alberto. <laughs> but but Van Meter, listen to these numbers between AAA. Well, his AAA numbers this year: three forty eight average, yeah, four twenty nine on base, six sixty nine slugging. So that's a one seventy four uh, weighted runs created plus. He's, yep. got, he's got a 119 weighted runs created plus, I think, uh, in the, on the major league level. 120. I'm staring at it right now. There you go. 120. Okay. I was looking at the stats uh, that I'd posted uh, halfway through the game. So um, I just realized that it wasn't a full game uh, their last game. So, yeah. So 120. And, you know, again, we're talking about how many played appearances, but still, there's there's been nothing. And this started the second half of last season. We go back and look at this second half. Yeah in the minor leagues after he made these changes. He talked about it a little bit in the, if you heard him talking on the uh, Jim Day podcast, if you're yeah. cheating on us with another podcast, as I did, and listen to that one, um, I don't know. He's just a, he's an impressive young man. And what uh, I like to keep pointing out is he's essentially the same age as, you know, Nick Senzel, who's been the super prospect 
forever. Yeah. And who's a great player? I'm in love with Nick Senzel as well. His, yeah. his luster hasn't yeah. diminished at all. But they're the I mean, same age. Yeah. To, to touch on Nick Senzel just briefly, I mean, he hasn't had the ideal rookie season, but there's no reason to discount anything about Nick Senzel. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm still still super thrilled with him. But, yeah, I mean, Josh Van Meter, you know, it makes me think a little bit. It's like the, the Van Meter Senzel thing is like a much less extreme version of, like, Tyler Malley, Robert Stevenson. You know what I mean? No, it's Where, ex- like, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's like in this case, both guys are getting results, but but Van Meter has had at the major league level so far, at least he's had the better results. But he's he doesn't come with that prospect label, um, and so it's harder for him to get people to believe in him. But I mean, really, I like at this point, unless the Reds can somehow get like Anthony Rendon, right? Put him at second. I'll take that. Yeah. Put Van Meter at second for next year. I don't know who they're going to get that I would bet on to be better. I and just, I personally have a lot of people have been in Twitter having on Twitter having fantasies about shaking the tree for Rendon, but I kind of have a hard time believing the Nationals are going to let him go. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But Yeah, after uh, losing after losing Bryce Harper, I'd say they're going to be motivated. Yeah. Not to yeah, lose another star the second straight year, yeah. Yeah, that I feel like that would be a tough one on your fan base. Um, but but, but I'm, I'm okay with Van Meter. If that's the way it yeah. turns out, I mean, I, I would love for them to upgrade, uh, if they could, somebody better than Van Meter. But I'm okay with it, I think. I think I've but, seen enough I mean, to if, say that. If Van Meter is, if who he's shown us so far this season is who he really is, he's a four wins above replacement player yeah. over a full season. No, I mean, I don't know. Again, I want to see him the rest of the season, see how he does. Yeah, but he's been consistently good since he made these changes, and so I'm starting to become a real believer. And and the difference between him is that man, his just his approach at the plate. It's kind of like Senzel's. They don't they take pitches that they need to be taking. Yeah, they they are you know they're going to get on base. I mean, you know, Van Meter's on base uh, over a 380 clip. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? And and I mean, you know, honestly, if with with Van Meter, if they wanted to, I mean, if if they wanted to make him into like Ben Zobrist, okay, yeah, you know, I mean, he has played either in in AAA or the majors. He's played everywhere except for center field, pitcher, and catcher this year. Right. I think I think fans and we we we're, we fall uh, prey to it as well. Want to name somebody who started every position? This is something you and I have talked about here. Um, yeah. And I do think Van Meter needs to be getting the lion's share of the starts at second base. Yes. But I love a guy that, okay, you know, you play him five days a week at second base, but you can spot him somewhere else. You know, he can play yeah. all over the place on some other days as well to get other, different matchups in. Yeah, like let's say that the Reds have, like, still have Derek Dietrich on the roster next year, and there's a one day where there's a matchup that's really favorable to Dietrich. Well, start him at second. You can put Van Meter in left or whatever. Like, you know, whatever. Figure it out. Right, yeah. I mean, I love being able to play those matchups, and David Bell does that yeah. uh, very well, I think. But uh, but still, I mean, I think if you're looking for – there are certain areas, and that's how we're going to kind of end uh, our discussion today, so we'll hold off on it in just a moment. There are certain areas the Reds kind of need to upgrade. And, yes. um, you know, second base has been on that list. <sighs> I don't know. When do we believe? That's the ultimate question before we move on. When do we fully believe in Josh Van Meter? I'm there now. I think I might be as well. 
And also, I mean, I just frankly, unless, again, unless you get like Rendon, I'm not interested in anybody else because I'm tired of the flavor of the month second baseman. Yeah. At this point. I mean, I'm I'm just going to say out loud, everybody I can think of who's been on the team the last couple of years who has professional experience at second base, and let's see how many I can come up with, okay? Let's hear it. You ready? All right. So we got Nick Senzel. Right. We got Josh Van Meter. We got Derek Dietrich. Dietrich. We got Scooter Jeanette. Ah, uh, Jason loves Scooter. Hash Brown Jason loves Scooter. We got Jose Peraza. Right. We got... Freddie Galvis. Freddie Galvis. We got Jose Iglesias. We got Eugenio Suarez. Mm, that's right. We got... Dilson Herrera was there recently. Rest in peace, Dilson Herrera. That's nine. I'm running out of names now, but that's yeah. oh, Kyle Farmer. Right. That's ten. And you know, we all we thought Shed Long would be in that mix this year. Alex Blandino. <laughs> Blandino, there you go. Why is Blandino not in the make big leagues right now? I have no idea. Because he has options, I assume, and other guys who are on the team don't. He'll be up in September, I gotta think. You got to think so, but that's the topic I was going to transition into next is this middle infield thing. I do not understand what the Reds are doing. They did acquire Freddie Galvis off waivers, and Freddie Galvis is a useful player. But the uh, and I don't, you know I like having, he's been great actually since he came to Cincinnati, and yeah. he's got the great hair. I love his hair. We need more guys uh, with the hair like that. Uh, I miss Johnny Cueto back in the day. Um, so bring that bring that on. But I don't I don't understand why the Reds feel the need to have. Freddie Galvis, Jose Iglesias, and Jose Peraza right now. I mean, how, no, do you, how do you waste three roster spots on, on those guys? I, I, you can't. I mean, you got three glove first shortstop, basically. Why do, why do we need more than one? I we don't. Yeah. I, listen, I'm perfectly fine with Galvis as the backup plan at shortstop. Because it's, it's easy for me to imagine a scenario where they try hard to get Gregorius, for instance, but somebody else, you know, gets him. Because he's the only real, even close to premier shortstop on the free agent market. So I got to assume there's going to be some competition for him. And they aren't able to work a trade or whatever to get another starting shortstop. And we're kind of transitioning into topics now. But I'm fine in that circumstance with Galvis as like the everyday shortstop for a year or two. Because sometimes you just got to, you know, you can get what you can get. But Galvis is Iglesias' Peraza at this point. Like, yeah. pick one. Yeah, I, I don't think any of them are going to outperform substantially any of the others. I mean, they're all – I think I'd probably choose Galvis. I mean, I'm okay with Galvis the same way, but I, I, I don't – and again, maybe they're trying to see what shakes out for 2020 uh, here, but I just don't understand why we're using three roster spots on those three guys when, you know, I'd be surprised if two of them are on the uh, big league roster on opening day next year. Yeah, I would too. You know, uh, I could see Peraza being uh, optioned out. I could see, I mean, Iglesias probably not coming back. I think, I think Iglesias is for sure going to be gone. I don't think. Oh, people are going to be upset by that statement, Jason. Well, people can be upset at me. (laughs) Well, I'm the one that gets been getting the Jose Iglesias hate. Every time he gets a hit, I get all these tweets like, "Oh, I told you he's awesome." Like, am I supposed to be upset that a, a red got a? Got a hit? Yeah, it's not that we've ever, <laughs> like, we're never rooting against somebody or no, anything. Jose Iglesias. Like, 
it's like, I mean, Jose Iglesias is, is for a major league shortstop, which is already cream of the crop, kind of mediocre. We, you know, we praised the signing of Iglesias this spring because, hey, great glove, you know, have him come off the bench. I, I like having that guy around. I mean, honestly, looking at the numbers at least, Iglesias of those three might be the best player. You can make that argument, absolutely, yes. But that's not really uh, that's not really praise. No, but he's got. I mean, I, you know, I'm just I'm staring at his numbers, and he's been when you average things out to like full season playing times because he's he's hasn't really ever played what you would call a full season. He's been an above average major league player since he came up. It's all he his- hasn't been like. A world beater, but he's been. It looks like over about 150 games, he probably averages about two and a half wins above replacement. The problem, I agree. Yeah, no, um, and a lot of that is glove driven, and we've all seen him this year. His defense is spectacular. Love it. Um, it's real and it's spectacular. Uh, the problem is, as the game transitions more into a sort of power on base game, he's getting left behind. And, and I posted the. The rankings the other day, there are 25, and this is what gets me in trouble by posting just charts of, of actual numbers, actual facts. There are 25 qualified shortstops in Major League Baseball this year, and by wins above replacement, Iglesias is 23 out of 25. By uh, weighted runs created, I think he was 23 out of 25, maybe 20, maybe bumped up to 22. Uh, you know, yes, he's hitting, what, 293 at this point? 295. He's yeah. hitting 295, but it's just it's all singles and he compared to just his contemporaries at shortstop he does not he doesn't compare well so i like i love the guy and i'm glad he's gotten some two strike hits and some two out hits and and driven in some big ribeye stakes and uh love watching him play defense I man I, I marvel at something he does at least once a week um, yeah. we can enjoy the guy without without saying that he's the future at shortstop i mean you hear people talking about giving him an extension and it just it makes no sense to me yeah, I, we should. I, I think, in fairness, point out though, because since we that that shortstop and and third really, but we're talking about shortstop right now. Shortstop is stacked at the big league level. That's a good point. I mean, Corey Seager. I'm looking at it now. Is 17th and wins above replacement among shortstops. Yeah, and I take him. Of course, he's you know what is held he 25. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the the, the point stands. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but but uh, the fact is, that still, the Reds have one of the worst. It's stacked, but the Reds have one of the worst. Uh, right, so then the question is, I mean, who do you get? Somebody that's not 23rd out of 25. And who would that be? <laughs> Any of them. Who Find out which one you can acquire. They should have just signed Manny Machado last year. They could have. We We told them to. Yeah. They didn't listen to us. I, I wonder. I wonder very much if Francisco Lindor is going to be available. Oh, Jason, don't. Why do you it's, have to do this to me? Listen, look. I mean, Cleveland is getting rid of everybody. Yeah. As soon as they become remotely expensive, it makes no sense. They're still competitive. No, it, it, they are. He's going to be Arb two next year. He's making over ten million now. The Reds have shown a willingness to uh, you know take on guys that are going to. I mean, you got to be bigger, and he's going to be making what, like fourteen, fifteen million next year. Oh my gosh! I, I, you know, I, there's nobody I wouldn't give up to have Francisco Lindor. Frankly, I listen. I, I've said it before. I will say it again. 
I would just call Cleveland and I would say, listen, we're looking to win now. So the big league roster is pretty off limits within reason. But you pick. You want the top three, four prospects from the system. They're yours. Yeah. Tell me the names you want. Hunter Green. Yeah. Nick uh, Lodolo. Jonathan India. Jonathan India. You think we could still trade Taylor Trammell for him? How does that work? I mean, why not? Let's trade Taylor Trammell for okay. him, too. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I just – what he would do for this roster immediately yeah. it can't be overstated. He just he and changes things. After, like, cheap, controllable pitching right now? Yeah, we've got a little bit of that. We got a whole bunch of that that's about to be out of options. Yep. Yep. So I mean, here, like, we'll throw the kitchen sink at Cleveland, and they can send Francisco Lindor back. Oh man, do it! I mean, I don't know. I'm in love with uh, Francisco Lindor. Everything about him. I mean, he just. I don't know. I, I know nothing yeah, about him. Same, right there with you. Yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy that I really would like to see uh, in Cincinnati. So, but again, I'm sure Cleveland uh, feels the same way. But it's just been really strange the way they have been cutting bait, frankly, on these high dollar guys uh, right now. So maybe the Reds can be the beneficiary of that. I don't know. Um, I do want to talk about what upgrades the Reds need to make. But before we get into that, we do need to mention that Tyler Malley was uh, just uh, reactivated today, so he's yeah. back on the big league roster. And uh, no, and- he's optioned. They optioned him out. Are you sure? They, they activated him and optioned him, yeah. See, that's what I get for actually working all day long. And not a, Well, then, who took uh, Jesse Winker's roster spot then? I don't know, and they might not have announced it yet. That's right, because uh, it'll play tomorrow. I know who it's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be Derek Dietrich. Probably, yeah. Because yeah. they showed a picture of all the, the Reds they were getting on the plane to go to, uh, where are they going next? Uh, Pittsburgh. Are they going to Pittsburgh? Oh, great. Anyway, um... All the, it was like uniform day, and they were all wearing like football uniforms and basketball uniforms. Yeah. Um, and uh, Derek Dietrich had on a Cleveland Browns uniform, but he was on the plane, so he's going to be activated. He's been on a rehab assignment lately, so that's probably who it's going to be. See, I missed that he was optioned. They option. All right. See, I've got some issues here. Okay. Um, I want to hear what you have to say about it first, though. Well, I think we're both Tyler Malley fanboys. Yeah. I think, right? Yes, I I think it's important to just acknowledge that. Tyler Malley probably has only one, maybe two more starts before rosters expand anyway. Right. He'll be back. He'll be back in September, right? Yeah. It's, it's not a big deal. And I think, you know, he's only pitched four innings in rehab. So I think, I think the activating of him is more of a paper move. I think the Reds might be trying to do some service time shenanigans or something like that at this point. Could be. You do use up one of his options, but he's a guy that probably you're not looking to ever option back no. out after this, this year anyway. The, so I, I need to be like people listening on the podcast. I need you to hear what I am saying. I'm listening, Jason. Tyler Malley is an above average major league starting pitcher right now. I realize his ERA is not at this moment as shiny as you would want it to be, but all of his peripherals indicate that he is an above-average player and ERA is a famously strange number. In terms of wins above replacement, in terms of any other number that you want to come up with, for the amount of playing time he has had, he is above average. On most major league teams, 
yes, really, on most major league teams, he would be the number two or the number three starter. If the Reds cannot find room for him, they better have the best rotation in baseball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People tend to forget right now that with this uh, home run revolution that that we're seeing, this new ball and all the uh, launch angle stuff, you know, the average ERA is, you know, four and a half or something anyway. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's way up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're talking Mally and, and the key part of it is Tyler Mally as a 24 year old is already at least an average big league starter as a 24 year old. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, I, you know, I made a, a comment. This has been a, a probably two, three weeks ago, but that, um, that I think Tyler Mally is going to end up next season as being the third best starter in the Reds rotation um and people went nuts oh he's awful he's garbage you know yeah. i mentioned i hate twitter twitter i am i am spending less and less time on Me twitter too, i despise but anyway uh you know um tyler malley 24 and the reds yes are going to have should have a very very good rotation uh next year but yeah. I, I see no reason to think tyler malley is not going to be right uh, in the in the middle of He's great. He's going to be up there. He may not be up there with uh, Luis Castillo or, right. or Sonny Gray, who I think are both yep. making an argument that, that Gray is returned to ace form and that Castillo is, has emerged as an ace. But, uh, you know, if you tell me Tyler Malley is going to be better than, uh, than, uh, Trevor Bauer or Anthony Scalfani or whoever else comes into pitch next year, I, absolutely. I, I can see that happening and, and would not be surprised in the least. I love me some Tyler Malley. Yeah, I mean, if if there's a, a starter right now who, if if the Reds have to make a decision, ends up being not in the plans for next year, it should be Disclafani, yeah, who has had a good year, who has had a good year, and it's not any even anything against him. It's just a matter of the fact exactly. that next year is his last year before free agency. Right. Whereas Ma- Mally could be, you know, a big piece of the rotation for the for foreseeable future. Years. Right. Yeah. So, I, I feel like that's a no-brainer. Um, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting decision on Discafani next year. That because he's who's had a good year. Although, again, don't say that on Twitter because they'll they'll blow you up because he has a four point four ERA, which is above average. Which is above average, and essentially he's the fifth starter this year. You know, fourth or fifth. Yeah. And, and how many teams have have a fourth or fifth starter that good? But they're going to have an interesting decision there. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're both uh, fully paid members of the Tyler Malley fan club, right? We are both fully paid members of the Tyler Malley fan club. That is correct. But, but Jason, do I need to remind you, he leads the Reds in uh, losses this year with 10. I'm banning you from your own podcast, Chadwick. Tyler Malley sucks. <sighs> Tyler, I know you're listening. You know we love you. If you've been listening for a long time, as I suspect you have, you know we've loved you for a long time. You know who else I love right now? Sonny Gray. Is it true that it's always sunny in Cincinnati? That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Um, what a what a get that's turned into. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is there've been. Know, a, go ahead. You know what the what one of the things is about Sonny Gray too, and like the broadcasters belabor this a little bit too much, but it still is true. He is just a delight to watch in general. Oh yes, like everything he does on the field is just pretty. You know, I'm just, uh, he's another guy that I'm just very uh, slowly becoming enamored with because he's just, he's amazing. I mean, he's really as good as he's ever been. 
and uh, we we talk a lot about this rebuilding process and how the Reds have, have botched it in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Sonny Gray is a perfect example of the current regime making a decision that has paid off in spades. They took a guy who was being run out of New York. You know, uh, Brian Cashman, the Yankee general manager, said, i got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. And the Reds identified him, uh, saw that combining him with Derek Johnson, the new pitching coach, and then former uh, pitching coach at Vanderbilt where Sonny Gray went to went to college, who Vanderbilt who lost in the College World Series to finals to the University of Virginia. And they said, this is a guy that uh, you know we think is going to play well in a Reds uniform, and we're going to lock him up to, uh, to a three-year contract when he's really at his lowest point of value. Yeah. And it has been nothing but uh, 100% success. And so uh, you see what I'm, how I'm, tr- I'm trying to frame that is basically you got to put a big check mark in the in Reds management column for this one, for all the things they've done wrong that you can argue, and there's plenty. Man, they got this one really, really right. Yes. Yes, they did. His strikeout rate's the best he's ever posted in his career. He is uh, <laughs> within the next uh, start or two, assuming he does okay. He's very likely going to pass up his wins above replacement mark that he got back in 2015 when he finished third in Cy Young voting. Um, his uh, spin rates are amazing. Third best horizontal movement in the majors uh, with his uh, slider. Um, and curveball ranks 11th. So I don't know. I, again, those are nerd numbers, but uh, the fact is he's arguably a top 15 pitcher. And the Reds have two of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Remember Hash Brown get the pitching? I remember Hash Brown get the pitching. And they Hash Brown got the pitching. I thought they got some pitching. It get, turns out they got me pitching. They did. They did. They have two guy two legitimate front of the rotation guys. Yeah. I mean these are the Reds we're talking about. Unbelievable. So I mean, listen, this is Man, I'm having a hard time honestly remembering. This is better than the last playoff run staff. I don't think there's any question. You think so? That was a good staff. That was a good pitching staff. But It was, but okay, so you had Cueto, right? It's true. We had Johnny Cueto. He was great. All right, so if you got – we basically have two Cuetos now. Well, I don't know if either of them are quite Cuetos yet. Well, actually, you look at the numbers, and yeah, they kind of are. Actually, as I'm sitting here looking at their their stat lines, yeah, I mean, this I, is what I'm saying. Cueto's just such a legend to me, you know, because yeah. we hadn't seen a guy like that since probably you know Jose Rijo. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I listen. I am a noted. I, I might be president of the Johnny Cueto fan club. <laughs> frankly, like I, I like that when he left the Reds. That might have been harder on me than any player in my adult life who's left the Reds. I did not want to see him go. No, no. And, and he was a great pitcher, sure, but, man, personality and yeah. I don't know. He's one of my favorite Reds of all time. But you're right. I mean, I think you got two guys. Because who's the second guy on that team was probably Latos or, or Homer Bailey. Yeah, or even maybe Bronson, depending on the year. Or Bronson, yeah. So now you've got Bauer as your number three guy. you got... Then like a mix of Mally Wood and Alex Jesus Wood. I, for, I forgot about Alex Wood, who's not been great, certainly in his five no, starts. No, he hasn't. But he's still uh, Alex Wood. He's 28, and he's been an all-star. And he, he's going to – I don't know. I'm still on his 
I still want to re-sign Alex Wood. Hopefully his value is low. So I completely forgot about him. Spaced out. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. Disclafani slash Miley is <laughs> number five. Yikes. How tempting. I mean, at this point, Alex Wood has got to be feeling. I mean, you feel bad for the guy. What a rough year to have right before you enter free agency. Yeah, just as a guy who's about to get paid. Yeah, you, you kind of feel sorry for just him, you know, as a, as a if, person. Like, if I'm the Reds, I, I see if I can lock him up for a few years, and then I listen to offers on Disco. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you could get and, Alex Wood for three years. Yeah. No question. To me, Alex Wood is uh, almost certainly a better bet than Anthony DiScofani over the next three years. Oh, yeah. And I like DiScofani. I think DiScofani's talented. I think I'm glad, so happy to see him healthy finally again, and he's, you know, he's performed. You, it, this is one of those bad problems to have, whereas the Reds have to decide which above-average starting pitcher they want <laughs> on the back end of their rotation for the next couple of years. It's awful. It's a terrible situation yeah. to be in, yeah. So, all right. Well, you know, I don't know. That's uh, pitching is probably not a place they really need to go out and look to upgrade. But uh, I want to finish up today by talking just quickly, if we can, about the places they do need to upgrade. And this is something again. I, uh, Matt Wilkes came on with me, and we're gonna I'm gonna play that after Jason and I finish up here. And we talked about this some, but to me, the 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 number one place the Reds need to upgrade. Well, what, what do you think? I go back and forth. Stop, and there's no question. I go back and forth between shortstop and catcher. I disagree on catcher, and I can tell you why if you want me to. I definitely want you to tell me why. So catcher is not stacked like shortstop is. So that's an important thing. Um, and I'm talking a little bit as I pull up some numbers real quick so that it's not just random silence. Um, but catcher's not stacked in the same way. Just isn't. And Barnhart had what I would classify as some bad luck, I think, this season. Um, I think the batting average on balls in play was kind of weirdly low. Um, but otherwise, he's kind of been Tucker, which is, you know, not exactly league average-ish as a hitter, but that's fine. You're, it's, we're still in an era where, as a catcher, you don't really have to be above average. And I don't know. And also, I don't feel like the only person out there you could get is Grandal. And I don't know how somebody can somebody explain to me what a mutual option means. Does that mean that if either one of them is like, no, thanks, it doesn't go through? That's exactly what it means. Yes. All right. So he is a free agent after this year, one assumes. Right. But he's also going to be in his age 31 season next year. Okay. Which for a catcher, I mean, that's getting that, that's not new, right? Right. And and they've got Tyler Stevenson coming, so it's a matter of if it's next year, of course you take Grandall over whatever the Reds have, but the year after or the year after that, I'm not sure that you do. And I mean, I know they're going all in for next year, but I don't know. I think I think they're okay with Tucker and, and the mix of what they have. I mean. I think he's Tucker's done a really good job of figuring out the pitch framing aspect of things. Um, and I think that that's going to really start to show up in his like wins above replacement measure um, as things progress. I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as worried about catcher as I am about shortstop, but they do need a shortstop. And I don't think there's any question, but I guess you're, 
much of that uh, analysis doesn't it depend on Tyler Stevenson, who's in Double A right now, becoming you know a former first round pick, becoming a guy that you can count on here in a couple of years? Because I'm not sure that I'm ready. Uh, he's had the injury issues, but now I got to say he's come around at Double A. Tyler Stevenson yeah. has, and well, it it does, but it's also you know I would be making the same argument if they if the Reds had anybody in the system at shortstop, and they don't. There is no one. There is no one in the Cincinnati Reds system who looks like they might even possibly be a starting major league shortstop. I'm looking at Tyler Stevenson again. He's the former number one pick who had some injury issues early, and he really started out rough in his first exposure to Double A this year. But I'm looking at his numbers now. He's got his WRC plus up to 131. Yeah, uh, great on base skills. Yeah. Um, you know he's re- he's really taking a step forward here in the second half of the season, and. Uh, I could. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to talk myself into letting him uh, be the starting catcher next year. Uh, my point, though, is if you can upgrade at catcher with Barnhart, you have a just brilliant backup catcher, and, and, Bar- and Barnhart could be the backup catcher for years. Yeah, he's Ryan Hannigan. You know, get some on base skills, good glove, be the guy that we kind of expected him to be when he first came up. I didn't expect him to have this big of a run as a uh, starter, so. But I, I can buy that at shortstop. But you forget the Reds have a superstar Jose Iglesias at shortstop. Chad. That's what I've been told. Well, you've been told wrong. <laughs> All right. Where else? I mean, I think we still have got to be looking to upgrade in right field. Yeah, it depends on what you think of Aquino. But, yeah. But, the, again, the thing is, you know, are you making a trade or what? Because the oh, the best right fielder on the market is Yasiel Puig. Puig, my friend. And I – I would love it. I would too. I mean, I you know, I, the Reds want to sign Puig, and I am, I am one hundred percent here for it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that Aquino, you know, turns into something that's useful as a right fielder. Uh, you know, yeah. two or three years of being Adam Duvall or something like that. Hey, I'll take that. Uh, and, and if not, maybe even better, you know, you never know with this guy, he's, uh, he's taking a step back, but nobody could kept up the pace he was on, but still, uh, you know, his numbers are very, very good through his yeah. first, uh, first 20 games this year. Yeah. Uh, the difference for me between Aquino, um, and Van Meter is the walk rate. Yes. Big time. You know, if, if Aquino were walking as often as Van Meter is, oh boy, would I be all the way in? Yeah. 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 Definitely. But he still is walking pretty well in the majors, at least. He didn't walk as much in the minors and never has. Van Meter has always had good plate yeah. discipline, and Aquino hasn't. I'll say with Aquino, you know, I, maybe, and maybe it's he can see in pitches better because of this crazy new stance he's got, but there have been, when he first came up, he was swinging at everything. But there have been some times since then where I've been really surprised at pitches that he's laid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he took, yeah. a, he took a walk the other day where he was down 0-2, and, and they were just pounding low and away, and he took every single one of them and got a walk. And I thought, whoa, that's – I didn't expect to see that from him. Cause, you know, and he'll still chase those pitches occasionally, but uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something there because of the new stance. I don't know. Yeah. This is, this is what I will say, and this is I, – I think – I legitimately think this. If the Reds somewhat – I think that the Reds really need to focus hard on getting either one genuine marquee player or two very, very good players. I think what they need is an upgrade equivalent to if they were to change their shortstop from whatever mix and match it is now 
to Lindor, like that level of upgrade, I think either there or if they spread that kind of upgrade across two positions, makes them the favorite in the NL Central next year. It's really not out of the question, but that's a big ask to get a guy like that. I mean, I, I gave them the option of spreading it over two positions. Yeah, you can turn you can turn a, a one or one to two wins above replacement player into a six wins above replacement player, or you can turn two one to two win above replacement players into two four wins above replacement players. I don't really care, but that's what they need. Yeah, and and the Reds management has to know this because clearly what we've got now it's not it's a good yeah. it's a good core. They're not a bad team right now. But it's not it's not a playoff caliber team, so they know they've got to go out and improve. So it's going to be just a fascinating winner, isn't it? And and if Van Meter is legit and they give him that helps so much, then that that plugs a hole. I mean, yeah. that you didn't expect. Yeah, you really didn't. And you know, and I, the thing about Josh Van Meter, I feel like I'm just going to get piled on right now. But there's nothing in his numbers. You know, the, the thing with, with me always is that I just look at the numbers. So he's still young, right? And there is nothing in his numbers that says that this is a mirage. His batting average on balls in play is high. But even if it were to drop, but it's one, it's been high often in the minors for him. So that might be the way, you know, his talent level. Um, but even if it drops somewhat substantially, his numbers are still so good that he still is a very good player. But if they don't trust Van Meter, I'm going to suggest they go out right now because he's a free agent. He's available right now. You can still get Brandon Phillips. Oh, Chad. Jason, it's been fun, man. That's, that's a good place to stick a pin in it, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got any final thoughts not about uh, Brandon Phillips or Scooter Jeanette? Uh, uh, get, a, get a shortstop and go red. There you go. All right. So, um, again, that's, that's Jason Linden. I'm Chad Dotson. Uh, now you're going to hear the conversation I had. Really fun, inter- uh, not an interview conversation, with, with Matt Wilkes from RedLegNation.com and uh, RedsContentPlus.com. We talked uh, a little bit more than uh, went a little bit uh, in depth into 2020 and what the Reds need to do. So we're going to play that for you now. Hey, go subscribe. Do all the stuff you, need, you always do on the podcast. If you're not already subscribed, uh, follow us on Twitter, all that stuff. Love every single one of you. Jason, good talking to you, buddy. Always a pleasure, Chad. All right, here's me and Matt. Happy to be joined right now by Matt Wilkes. Matt, guy I've gotten to know over the last few years, one of my uh, fellow writers at RedLegNation.com for uh, for many years, and uh, hardcore Reds fan. I want to talk to him about a new uh, new venture he's engaged in. But uh, how are you today, Matt? I'm doing great. Everything is is all good in my life. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, uh, as Reds fans, sometimes it's more difficult than others, but uh, there's always something interesting to talk about. Now, I wanted to ask you first how you became such a big Reds fan, because, again, I've been reading your writing, and we, like I said, we've written together at Red Lake Nation for many years now, and love your writing, always have. But how did you become such a hardcore Reds fan? Uh, I really started, like most Reds fans, when I was very young. Um, you know, my, my dad grew up uh, kind of right toward the end of the big red machine. And, um, you know, he, he fell in love with them and kind of passed that on to me. And, um, you know, I was, I was definitely a pretty big stats nerd early on. I would go out in the backyard and, you know, pretend to be, um, various reds players and keep my own stats. 
Um, you know, I'd hit 50 home runs with Adam Dunn every season, you know, cause I was, was a big power hitter. Um, no, not really. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where it started. I was, I was really little. I remember my first Reds game at, uh, Synergy Field. I think it was Ken Griffey Jr.'s first year. So that would have been 2000. Um, just kind of fell in love with it from there. And, um, yeah, never really stopped following the Reds from that time on. Hey, that Adam Dunn's pretty good. He was in here. I bet he still is, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I bet he could still hit 20, 30 home runs. Yeah. You think he could still strike out? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty sure he could do that, yeah. Now, he did that a couple times. Once or twice, the original uh, three true outcome player. Uh, now, what I want to talk about mostly uh, here today, Matt, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I uh, want to focus on the 2020 Reds and our expectations and how some things are going to play out over the next few months. But first of all, I want you to tell me about uh, this uh, this new venture that you're engaged in, Reds Content Plus. You can find it at redscontentplus.com. Tell me about Reds Content Plus and, and the tagline, for passionate Cincinnati Reds fans. So, well, that's that's our audience here, our, our audience of viewers here at Red Lake Nation Radio. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're kind of taking that up up a notch, really, um, and we're focusing uh, more on the analytics side of the game. Uh, I know it's still very new to a lot of fans, so we're trying to kind of bring that uh, to as wide of an audience as we can and kind of you know educate fans who maybe want to learn a little bit more about the analytics they hear you know mentioned here and there on TV or you know they see on Twitter. So that's really kind of the angle we're taking with it is, um, you know, we're not focusing so much on, you know, pitcher wins or pitcher ERA. We're focusing on, you know, fielding independent pitching and other, you know, more advanced uh, metrics to evaluate players. So that's really uh, what we're trying to bring to everybody um, and trying to teach uh, everybody a little bit more about analytics and how we can, you know, use it um, on a day-to-day basis just in, in game recaps. There's a lot of uh, fascinating data out there. Um, and it's definitely not for everyone, but I think um, it's it's the way the game is going, and um, it, we really want to educate as many people about that as we can. And it's it's some really fascinating stuff, um, even just like I said on a day to day basis. Um, in individual games, we look at we break down you know the hardest hit ball every game, and um, you know the Reds MVP or least valuable player each game based on win probability and how much um, they may have added or subtracted from that in a given game. So there's just there's a lot of data to sift through, and we're trying to kind of break that down as best we can and bring it to Reds fans and um, use that to explain decisions David Bell makes or whatever it may be. Let me, uh, let me ask you something about the analytics here. Um... I'm, I've been, you know, I'm, I'm a little older than you, and so uh, the thing, the whole thing has changed so much just in my lifetime. But even over the time you've been a, a baseball fan, the way teams rely on data, and the way fans can rely on data now has changed so much. What in is this? I'm, I'm catching you off guard on this one, so maybe you'll have an answer, maybe you won't. But which of your, which, what? analytical data to you is the most interesting thing that we have available to us now, whether it's because of stat cash or whatever, um, versus what we had say five years ago, what do you think is the most interesting data that we had that we can look at? That's just kind of fascinating to you personally, if that makes sense. I think really all the, all the data that stat provides is really fascinating to me. 
um, exit velocity is kind of their most basic one, but it might, to me, is still the most interesting one. Because um, you always, you know, you're watching a game on TV and you're like, oh, he, he really crushed that ball. Um, and now you can put a number to that. Um, and, you know, we saw Aristides Aquino hit the ball 118 miles per hour off the bat a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that's absurd. I, I, five years ago, I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have even thought that's possible. I would have thought, you know, 100, 105 sounds like a really hard hit ball. So there are guys out there who can hit the ball almost 120 miles an hour, and that is fascinating to me. Um, and it's certainly not the end-all, be-all of, of analytics, um, but it's it's very, um, very, very interesting to me. Um, and it's, it's interesting how many balls look like they're hard hits, um, but they just end up being, you know, 85, 90 mile an hour off the bat. Um, so it's... It's a real-time thing. You can you can follow along um, real-time exit velocity data as games go on. Um, it's on BaseballSavant.com for those who are interested. Um, it's got a lot of other data that updates in real-time. But that's uh, probably the one that fascinates me the most, even though it's fairly basic in terms of uh, analytics. Now, you're talking about all the analytics that are able in real-time during games, things like that. And a point that I, we like to make uh, on Red Leg Nation Radio is – I've become even more so over the years. I have become uh, I kind of like want to proselytize for the idea that people should just enjoy this game however they like to enjoy the game. There are going to be a lot of people in our audience who are going to absolutely think this is the greatest thing ever. That they're you know high, heavy into analytics, and I know because I get the emails and the the tweets and things like that. There are going to be others who are like, eh, I just want to watch the game. And to me, the beauty of what's available now is that you you can watch the game like you've always watched it. But if you want mm-hmm. to dig in a little more, you know, it, that's there too. That's what's kind of beautiful about baseball over most other sports is there's just such a wide range of ways that you can enjoy this game. It's kind of like, uh, you know, my buddy Bill Lack whining about the the wave all the time. People doing the wave and say, I'm like, let people have fun. Let them do whatever they enjoy. Um, and so that's, I, I'm saying that to the people who are going to listen to this and say, oh, come on, really? I'd say, hey, give it a chance. Maybe you like it. If you don't, well, okay. You know, somebody else, there's plenty of people that do enjoy um, the analytics, and I, I like the way that you guys sort of present uh, the analytics here. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not something you have to have an advanced degree to understand. It's just it's a way of helping to put into context what we've seen on the field, and it can be very valuable. Sometimes I love that. Sometimes I'm like, eh, you know, not for me today. But uh, um, I'm just what, that's a long statement there to say. I like the way that uh, you're you're presenting it in terms of uh, helping to put into context what we've actually seen. Yeah, thank you. We we definitely try to break it down as much as we can. We we know that not everybody uh, is really familiar with analytics, so we, you know, if you're interested in the site, it's not. We try not to make it too scary or intimidating. We we try to break down uh, everything as thoroughly as we can and make it understandable, even if you've never heard of the analytic we're talking about. We've got a nice uh, stack glossary at the top of just some common stats that you'll see us use in our our posts frequently. So we really try to to break it down and make it easy to understand. And like you said, you can, you can watch something on TV and you can, you can go to baseball savant and look at the stack cast data to kind of confirm what you see. And that's, what's interesting to me. Um, you know, I write a lot about pitching at red leg nation and at uh, uh, reds content plus as well. Um, and a lot of the times I get my idea just from watching the games. I'll be like, Oh, well his, his, his breaking ball looks really sharp tonight. Wonder how much movement he's getting on that or, you know, he's using his slider a lot tonight. So let me go check that out and see if, uh, you know, that's really the case or, you know, I'm just 
um, making that up, you know? So it's, it's like you said, not for everyone, but it's, it's cool to be able to kind of confirm the things you're seeing on TV and back it up with, with hard data. Yeah, no, it's fascinating uh, to me, certainly. And, uh, and I'm really interested to see, uh, where this goes because that's something at Red Lake Nation we've always tried to dip our, our toes into is the analytics side of it. But, you know, never really, never really dove in, I guess, hardcore. And, uh, and so I like to see there's so much more, so many more ways to talk about the Reds other than just what we've become accustomed to. And you can go uh, read the, uh, the fancy stats or you can listen to idiots like me talk about the, uh, game whatever you like it's fine it's good either way but biggest question is what do you think about fans doing the wave at the game uh you're anti-wave i can hear you getting ready to say it yeah i was at the game on saturday and they were they were doing the wave. but the thing that gets me is when it's in the middle of an inning like when when i'm trying to watch the game they it it can can get a little little irritating i'm all for fun though so (laughs) wait you were at the game on saturday i was why did you not say hello to me I would have I seen you, Chad. I, I I apologize. I saw you, and I just sat there and stewed because you didn't wave at me. That's that's not that's true me. at all. I mean, I, I, that's not even close to being true. I didn't know you were there. Wish I had. Um, not next time. But when they did that wave Saturday, I took a little short video of it and uh, texted it to Bill Lack just to mock him, <laughs> which is always fun. Yeah, it was cool. The wave. I'll give him. I'll give it this. <laughs> it was cool because the stadium was full. Yeah. In you know the last five five years or so, people try to start the wave in Great American Ballpark, and you know it's it's not that impressive. But when it's full, like it was on Saturday, um, yeah, when it's it's cool to watch. Maybe the first time around, after that, I can <laughs> watch the game. When there's big sections of empty, yeah. When there's big sections of empty seats, it's hard to watch. But hey, listen, for years I've been kind of anti-wave for years, but uh, and I I agree. In the middle of an inning, it irritates me. I don't participate in the wave, but eh. I'm like, you know, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me anymore as long as I can still see the game, which usually usually you can. So um, now I want to shift a little bit because I want to get some of the, the analytical uh, context behind the 2020 Reds and what we see uh, going forward. And, and the place to start is a guy that you've mentioned a couple times already, Aristides Aquino. What about this guy? You know, he just continues to pound the ball. And I guess my question is, do you have any thoughts – on whether he is going to be really in the mix to be the starting right fielder for the Reds next year. I'm still in a wait and see. His track record so slim, even though he's hit all year long this year. The last two years, both at Double A, not so good. So, do you have any thoughts about whether or not? Yeah, I mean, he's not going to continue to be Frank Robinson, but is he going to be able to hit enough to stick and to really be a contributor to the next good Reds team? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, like you said, we really need to see more from him before you can, you know, pencil him in as a starting right fielder next year. I think uh, if he is your starting right fielder next year right now, uh, that's kind of problematic. Um, we haven't really seen enough to say he can do that. Um, I, I was I was listening to your, your podcast with Doug from last week, actually on my drive home today, and, um, you know, he, he's mentioning that, you know, plate discipline is still very much an issue with Aquino, um, you know, is he going to be able to keep those strikeouts down? Uh, so far he has, is he going to be able to, you know, lay off those sliders, uh, low and away? Uh, he's struggled to do that at times so far. And I think you're going to see teams start to expose him a little bit. So I think once the league kind of adjusts to him, we'll see how he adjusts back. 
Um, you know, like I said, his chase rate is almost, it's over 40% right now. Uh, and that's not good. So, you know, the home runs are nice, but we need to see a little bit more, especially in the plate discipline, um, before I'm personally ready to say, you know, he's our right fielder moving forward. Um, he's definitely made things interesting. I, I will say that because, you know, right field would have been a big need heading is still a big need heading into right. 2020. Um, but he's at least, you know, thrown his hat into the ring. Um, maybe if the Reds are convinced he, he can be the everyday starter, they can spend their money elsewhere. Um, I don't know if I'm convinced yet, and I doubt the Reds are either. Um, but he's certainly making making it interesting, interesting, giving us something to talk about. Yeah, you know, a few weeks ago, we, we would have probably all agreed that the places the Reds need to upgrade in, going into 2020 are going to be right field, uh, catcher, shortstop, um, second base, depending on what their thoughts are. Um, and uh, if and then this name kind of comes sort of out of nowhere because, I mean, we'd all seen Aquino pounding the ball at AAA all season long, and, we, and we've known about the guy for years. I mean, he's been a – this is his ninth year in the Reds organization. We've, you know, he's been around. But all of a sudden, within the matter of about three weeks, he inserts his name kind of into the conversation to actually be a, a middle-of-the-order hitter next year in right fielder. And and that would be great if, you know, the power was real and if he could maintain a good enough – on base percentage uh, to to you know be something more than just a, a one trick pony so to speak, but uh, I don't know. I, I, it's fascinating to me that a guy like that who had been scuffling for two years at Double A can make this, and it's a drastic change that he made uh, at the plate, and uh, can make that one change and all of a sudden become a, a completely different player. So I, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out uh, going forward. Another guy that made a change to the plate that has caused uh, uh, his name to get inserted into some conversations is Josh Van Meter. And I want to, we've had a little bit more of a track record with him going back to the second half of last season, but still not a ton of a track record. But a guy that's actually, uh, I think, I think younger than Nick Senzel, so possibly could still be in the mix. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on Josh Van Meter? And see, where Aquino kind of still has the question marks uh, is, is an area where I think Van Meter is really impressive. Um, so it's the, the plate discipline. Uh, you know, he's really good at laying off pitches outside the strike zone. He really doesn't chase a whole lot. Um, he'll strike out here and there, but his strikeout rate is really not alarming by any means. Um, and that's, that's what impresses me most about Van Meter, uh, especially coming up the first time this year, he was kind of a non-prospect. Um, so you would think, you know, maybe a guy like that would come up and press a little bit, uh, you know, swing at some pitches that maybe he shouldn't. But he's shown really good plate discipline. Uh, he's got some pop. He's only got four home runs so far, but he he hit an absolute bomb, uh, I think, a month ago or so in, in Milwaukee. I think it went 460-something feet. So he's got the power. power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he showed that in AAA as well. So he's he's another name. I'm not sold on him yet, um, but he's he has, I think, more – reliable tools as far as the plate discipline goes um you can project him a little bit easier than aquino if that makes sense people are people are going to think this is crazy but i'm guessing you'll probably agree with this let's say that we're in a world where uh, and i like these ridiculous hypotheticals but let's say we're in a world where you can have either a van meter or aquino next year but you have to have you have to start one guy either van meter wherever you want to start him or aquino presumably in right field but only one. Uh, I, I choose Van Meter every single day. He's got a 
about the same track record, a little bit longer track record, which means that uh, not a lot. It's still small sample size, so to speak. But you have a guy who's a little bit younger. You have a guy who, if this is real, has the, the, the habits at the plate, the plate discipline, the approach at the plate that is a guy that can be very effective as a middle infielder. I plug him into second base and then worry about getting a right fielder. Am I wrong? No, I'm absolutely with you. I think, you know, he that that skill being able to lay off pitches is something that is going to continue to translate. Um, you know, I don't know if I mean, I know Aristides Aquino is not going to hit home runs at the pace he currently is, but you don't you know, know that. You don't know that. Don't give me your analytic nonsense. He might. He he could hit sixty <laughs> home runs by the end of this season, and it's possible. He probably will. Probably will. <laughs> Ignore everything I said. Exactly. I'm an idiot. He's going to hit 60 home runs. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Unbridled optimism <laughs> and insanity. Those are the, the key components of Red League Nation Radio. But about Van Meter, do you think he will be the primary second baseman next season? I'm still not ready to say yes, but I'm more ready to lean toward yes than I am with Aquino and right field. Yeah, yeah, but neither one of them are, are actual answers, uh, unless you can't get a, di- a di- better answer, I suppose. Right. But but what, I don't understand why the Reds aren't playing Van Meter at second base, you know, five days a week. It makes no sense to me. They've got this time to evaluate this kid and to find out whether this thing is real. And instead, they're playing, you know, Freddie Galvis and Jose Peraza at second base. And I, nothing against those two guys who have their, uh, you know, um, have their merits, but. Uh, does it make you think that he's not in, in necessarily at the forefront of the Reds' of plans for 2020 because they're not playing him there? Or are they thinking anymore as a sort of a, a versatile round? Because the, they played in a bunch of different positions, outfield, first base now. What's, yeah, what? definitely gives me a little pause. He was getting you know a lot of playing time before the Galvis trade. And um, you know with Votto's injury, he's he still maintained that. But it certainly didn't sound like he was going to if Votto hadn't gotten hurt when he did. Um, so, yeah, it does make me question well, what – the plans are for him in the future. Um, I would say you're kind of running the money. Uh, maybe they view him more as the utility guy. Uh, maybe not necessarily an everyday starter. I think it's a little premature given the changes he's made at the plate to, you know, say that he is just a utility guy moving forward. He's only 24. Um, certainly in the age range where he could still break out and become a major league starter. So we, we just don't know. We don't have enough of a sample size yet. So, it, it is strange to me that he's not, um, or that, that that David Bell named, you know, Galvis kind of the starter over Van Meter. Um, you know, Galvis and Jose Iglesias are uh, very similar players. So having them both in the lineup, um, you know, low OBP guys, and um, Galvis has a little more pop, but they're both kind of defense first guys. They're they're very. Uh, I think the way I put it on on. Red's, Red's content plus when I wrote about it was they're very redundant um, and it's it's odd to me that they wouldn't want to see um, you know a 24 year old prospect who uh, you know still could become that starter over you know a 20 29 year old uh, shortstop who are moving over to second um, yeah so yeah I, I don't know what the plans are for Van Meter I find it pretty much as strange as everyone else does that uh, you know, Freddie Galvis is getting starts over Van Meter right now. I guess, I guess we'll see what the plans are for Van Meter. I hope he gets more playing time because I think I think there is potentially something there. But um, maybe maybe it does 
give us some indication as to how the Reds view him that, you know, they claimed a guy off waivers and instantly plugged him in over Van Meter. So remains to be seen, but I hope he gets a little more playing time than uh, what it seems like he's going to get. Yeah, when uh, when David Bell said that about, uh, you know, Galvis at second base, my first thought was, well, you know, he's got a veteran coming into his clubhouse and maybe he's just paying lip service uh, to, to that fact. And whereas, you know, he could still go out and play Van Meter uh, more often. But the fact of the matter is, uh, of course, Galvis has hit since he's gotten here. And uh, he does have a good yeah, glove. But uh, um, did he, he hit another one tonight? Is that what I saw? Yeah, yeah, he put one out the dead center. So he, he's got some pop, but he's also 29 and Josh Van Meter's 24. So Yeah, you kind of know what he is. I mean, you know, and they, they can bring him back next year because, you know, he does have another year of team control Galvis. But, again, you kind of know what he is coming into right. ne- next year. Whereas with Van Meter, I don't know I don't know what we know. And unless the Reds, and this is something we constantly try to remind ourselves here, which is that the Reds have a lot more information than we have. Even in this age of all the uh, data that's available publicly, the Reds still have way more information uh, than we do in making these decisions, and not just a, not just uh, the data, but just in terms of the human uh, side of it, and, and what their coaches are saying, and what their scouts are saying, and what they know about it, about the kid. And I, you know, I don't know. They may they may not believe he can handle second base defensively. I don't know. Van Meter says it's his best position, but in the position where he's most comfortable. But I don't know. He may be just be saying that just because he sees that's a spot for him. Uh, so we'll. We'll see going forward. If you had to rank the areas of concern, the places the Reds need to upgrade the most going into next season, uh, how how would you how would you rank the Reds' areas of need going into next year? Oh, that's a good question. There's definitely the need at catcher and shortstop. I think those have to be one and two, or one A and one one B, however you want to put it. Uh, you know, Tucker Barnhart is a solid defender. Um, doesn't bring much at the plate, so. They, they could really use an upgrade there. I know I've seen a lot of clamoring to bring back, uh, you know, Yasmani Grandal, who was in the, the Matt Latos trade many moons ago. Uh, you know, that would be a significant upgrade to the offense. Um, so catcher is probably my number one right now with shortstop really close behind. Jose Iglesias is a is free agent after the year. Uh, you know, they do have an option on Freddie Galvis next year. I'm not really sure you want him to be your starting shortstop on a, on a team you hope makes the playoffs. Uh, and, and the trade for Trevor Bauer definitely indicates to me that they want to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, maybe there's a DD Gregorius out there. He, I mean, he's really the only free agent option available. So, I mean, Grendel and Gregorius, two former Reds are kind of uh, at the top of the list. It would really upgrade uh, the offense. Um, and then you, you look at the bullpen, too. Uh, the bullpen is, has been pretty shaky here the last couple of months. I'm not a huge proponent of going out and spending a ton of money on your bullpen because we've seen how volatile relievers can be. Just look at, you know, David Hernandez and D- Jared Hughes from last year to this year. So I'm a little skeptical of spending a ton of money in the bullpen, uh, but there's definitely some weaknesses there, too. Let me say this about catcher. I think that catcher is a, an area that the Reds really, truly do need. Catcher and shortstop to me. Are, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to go back on. I'm going to take that back. Uh, I think right field is going to be the place they absolutely have to upgrade um, over the production they've gotten out of right field in 2019 as a whole. But about catcher, I'm, I'm of the mind that I want to see Tucker Barnhart be a Cincinnati Red for like the next six years. I mean, I think he, he could be a superb backup catcher. 
A guy gets on base a little bit, uh, you know, can handle the glove well, and uh, can be just sort of your ideal backup catcher. No problem at all with that. That's what I thought he was going to be coming up out of the minors, and he really um, outperformed my expectations. But no shame in being the backup catcher for the next six years and having a really good uh, career. He could be the next Ryan Hannigan. So, uh, but they do need to upgrade there. Grandall, I don't know if it's going to be him. Uh, I hope so. I, I could handle that. But uh, you, you can see why they were going so hard after JT Rail Muto this uh, yeah, offseason. Uh, but the, the catching I, position has really been a black hole all year, and so they they can really use an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know they've got to get more. They've got to get another hitter, another middle. Well, maybe that middle order hitter is a grand dollar or somebody. They got to get another productive hitter in the lineup, and uh, you know, uh, right field seems like a good place to get it. But then again, you know, the probably the best free agent right fielder is going to be Yasiel Puig, uh, and he's our friend. But you know. Um, I don't know. I, it's just a, it's going to be tough to upgrade. I'm afraid at uh, at right field and at shortstop, like you mentioned. So I don't. know. They've got to do something though. They can't go in. I, I worry that they are going to go into the next season with the roster as currently constructed, and it'll be an interesting roster and a kind of a fun team. But uh, I don't know that it's a team that's set up to win. Maybe I'm just uh, worrying unnecessarily. All right. There's there's a lot of missing pieces if they realistically want to push for a playoff spot um and i and i think with with the bauer trade you know he's only under team control next year i think to me that indicates they're going there are more moves to come yeah i think i hope have to be there i think be. if you give your, your number one prospects uh for for trevor bauer i mean taylor Trammell has regressed no doubt about it but when you give up your number one prospects for you know a guy that's only under team control for a year and a half you ideally want to make the most of that yeah, if they don't go some version of what I would call all-in, and I don't know what that means in Cincinnati, but if they don't go some version of, of that, it's going to be really tough to uh, continue talking about the Reds uh, every week next season because I'm just it's a uh, it's time you know it's time they they kind of screwed up this rebuild and they're trying to fix it on the fly here at the in, in the back half of it and and they've done a pretty good job and really interesting uh, way they've done it gone about it over the last year or so, but. Uh, They've got to bring some guys in here, and I think uh, a hitter is uh, got to be at the top, at least one has got to be at the top of that list. Um, what what would you say to the many many and there are many Reds fans out there who are clamoring for the Reds to sign Jose Iglesias uh, to a, a contract so that he's the starting shortstop for the uh, you know near and uh, maybe maybe not so near future. Well, I, I've seen some of your che- tweets, Chad, and uh, the, the reaction hasn't been good. <laughs> it's you know, I've, they've been. I think they've been measured tweets. I'm like, you know, he's got a good glove. He is what he is. He's fine. You know, he's the, but there's a reason why he was available on a minor league contract before this season. It's just his skills are not as valued in the big leagues right now as as the guys who can actually hit. Exactly right, and. I'm a little afraid to agree with you, but I do agree with you. Um, and you know, he, he does provide some value to a team. He's unbelievable with the glove. Uh, one of the smoothest shortstops I've I've seen yes. in a long time, uh, maybe since Soft J Paul Yanish. Uh, so he brings a lot to the table from that perspective. Um, and he's he's had a decent year offensively. Um, but I'm I'm also a proponent of not looking solely at batting average. You've got to look at the full package of what he brings to the table. Um, you know, he doesn't draw walks. He has very limited power. 
So, you know, that's going to limit his offensive value. He's he's a singles hitter and not much more. So, yes, he's batting 295, but he's still a below average hitter um, when you factor in everything else. So, um, you know, he's been a fun player and he kind of he was a minor league, you know, signing in spring training. He probably could have should have gotten a major league deal, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, he's been a nice story in, in 2019. I don't think he's a long-term answer. I think they could definitely serve to upgrade the bat there. Um, and, you know, you know, maybe maybe they bring him back next year as kind of a backup option. Um, I think he's fine in that role as your everyday starter. Eh, I don't think he brings him from the offensive side. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bring him in the back. If you want to bring him back, he's got a good enough glove that you can uh... – uh, bring him back in the role to which they originally intended him when they signed him this year, which was a, as a backup. So, uh, last question before we uh, before we get out of here, Matt, uh, I want to know what your thoughts are on Jose Peraza because uh, no question this year has been uh, almost a, just a, an abject disaster for Jose Peraza. And uh, you know, I look at Peraza, Iglesias, and Galvis, and I'm not sure why we need three of that those guys, you know, because they're uh, they all have similar uh, weaknesses. And uh, they have different strengths in some ways. You know, Galvis has got some pop. Um, Iglesias has uh, got the glove, and Galvis has got a good glove. And Peraza doesn't have a bad glove, but um, I don't know. Uh, why is there a need for all three of these guys? And, and what's what's Jose Peraza's future? Yeah, I, that was another confusing part of the whole Galvis acquisition to me. It's just you have three very, very similar middle infielders, and now you don't have enough spots to play them all. Um, so it's... It's an odd situation. I feel like something something kind of has to give when Derek Dietrich comes back. Um, I don't know if that means Jose Peraza goes to the minor leagues for a week until you know the rosters expand in September. I'm not sure, but it's a it's a very strange situation from a roster perspective. Um, as far as Peraza's long term future, I mean, this year really couldn't have been any more disappointing. You know, we saw some some progress from him last year. He still had some uh, some rough plate discipline. Never, he, he does not draw walks, and I don't think that's going to change. It's been that way since he's been a professional player. Um, but, you know, he's kind of taken a step back in every other aspect this year. Um, and, and maybe that's because, you know, he was, he was kind of jerked around position-wise, uh, played a lot of different spots, couldn't really settle into one spot. So maybe that's had an impact on him. Um, but the play discipline has, has gotten worse. He's striking out more. He's still not walking. Um, you know, going 150 or whatever it was, plate appearances between walks, that's Ooh. that's not good. Yeah. His, uh, he's still chasing balls out of the strike zone uh, a lot. He's, he's approaching 40% there. That's astronomical. That's not good at all. He's, he's swinging and missing more. So I, he's regressed lot um you know that the the power that we saw last year isn't there and i don't think anybody expected peraza to hit 20 home runs a year by any means but yeah his his long-term future becomes a lot more uh a lot more questionable i guess we'll say now uh you know before this season i wouldn't have even considered him a candidate candidate to get non-tendered after the season uh now it wouldn't really Surprise me if he was not tendered a contract. Um, I, I still think that the Reds will give him a contract, but it, it wouldn't it wouldn't stun me if they didn't. 
um, depending on, you know, of course, the other moves they make. So, right. yeah, I, he's he's really hurt his stock this year. I look at Peraza and I look at Galvez and I look at Iglesias and I think, you know, I, I've got no problem at all having one of those guys on my roster. You know, depending on the day, you could convince me that uh, Peraza's the guy to keep. He's the youngest and, you know, maybe there's a little more upside. I don't know. The other two guys are on the downside, perhaps. You could convince me, but I can't see how any team that is serious about winning has three of those guys. And frankly, I'm not sure if any of those three guys are a guy that I would consider a starter on a playoff-caliber team. And that's where I sort of get concerned. That's where I think they've got to really upgrade that shortstop going into next yeah. year. Yeah, completely agree. They're all they're all decent enough backups if they're your starting shortstop. It's yeah, not good. It's not good. Okay, so uh, tell me, what else do we need to know about Reds Content Plus, Matt Wilkes? Well, we are really putting stuff out every day. So, uh, you know, come check us out. We've got game previews with all the, uh, you know, stat cast breakdowns of players, uh, maybe explaining some of David Bell's lineup decisions. We've got recaps after every game where we kind of break everything down from that analytical perspective. So if you want to know who had the hardest hit balls and, um, you know, who had the fastest pitches, come check us out. We're putting out plenty of other in- content in between. Um, we've got some stuff on spin rates coming up tomorrow. Uh, Matt Habel, who is also uh, a writer over at Red Leg Nation, wrote about Red's rookies today and kind of how they have fared um, from an analytical perspective. So, yeah, we are constantly coming out with, with new content. So come check us out and continue to go to Red Leg Nation. This is definitely not a situation where we are trying to compete with Red Leg Nation, just kind of trying to bring you even more content. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, way to frame that because a lot of the guys still writing it, uh, a lot of the writers at Red Leg Nation are, are writing both places, and uh, and it's just a little bit of a different uh, a different view of the Reds. And so I think uh, if you're reading the, both of those sites, that's the way to get all your, your Reds news and analysis. You can find Matt at underscore Matt Wilkes on Twitter. If you enjoy the Twitter machine, that's where you can find Matt, at underscore Matt Wilkes, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-K-E-S. Matt, really good catching up with you again. Uh, hadn't talked to you in a little while, so we, uh, we're going to have to try to do this again sometime. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week.